aren't in the hall tonight, um, it is possible now to come to satsang. Um, you can uh, book in at the ashram. Dot as. No. Dot as. Dot as. Dot me. Wow. Okay. Never seen a URL like that. So that's satsang uh, Saturdays at seven fifteen. There's Guru Gita chanting Sundays at eight thirty. Tuesday and Saturday at 7.30. Study group, Tuesday nights at 7.30. There's uh, Sanjavani Mantra and Meditation Wednesdays at 7.30. And the Shiva Process, which is now on Thursday nights at 7.30pm. You can contact us directly for Shiva Process by emailing info at theashram.com.au. It is Navaratri, the celebration of the goddess. And of course, everyone should celebrate the goddess. <coughs> and um, Navaratri is a very wonderful festival. It celebrates three forms of the goddess. Uh, basically, the solid form, the peculiar form, and the vital form of the goddess. The vital form is Durga, not to be messed with. And that's the first three days. And the, the peculiar form is Lakshmi. So uh, Durga represents power, strength. Uh, Lakshmi represents love and luxury and money. And so everyone loves Lakshmi. And uh, so that's, uh, that we're now in a, a Lakshmi day. This is a Lakshmi day. And so we're going to do a, a Lakshmi puja. And then the last three days are to the solid goddess, Saraswati, the goddess of wisdom and the arts. <coughs> but tonight it's Lakshmi, so we're doing uh, the 108 names of Lakshmi. And uh, your job is easy. All you have to do is answer each mantra by saying, Om Shri Lakshmi Namaha. Do we write, we got that on the board? <coughs> A little bigger. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that? Boom. Okay, so uh, there'll be call and response. <coughs> the lead group will uh, sing a mantra, and then you will always answer with the same one. Om Shri Lakshmi and Namaha. We'll tr let's do it without that. Om Shri, Lak Om Shri Lakshmi and Namaha. Om Shri Lakshmi Namah. Om Shri Lakshmi Namah. Well done. Okay, so let us begin. We begin with Sajanam. <coughs>
Totally. We should have done the 1008 version. Who wants rich and who wants happy? You can have love or riches. Love or riches. Or happiness, yeah. But not all three. <laughs> so, in honor of the Shakti, uh, I've selected the great Shakta my guru, Baba Muktananda. <clears throat> Nobody had a closer relationship with the Supreme Shakti than Baba did. So tonight we'll be looking at some of his sublime teachings. His first one's about the Shakti. This one uh, is from Melbourne in 1974, his second world tour, and I was accompanying him there. Uh, actually, it wasn't in Melbourne. This was in Sydney. Do we have a picture? This is Baba in Sydney, 1974, and I'm just outside of the camera. And this is in the backyard in uh, Turamura? Taramara. Taramara, mate. Huh? Is it the same cushion? Yeah? Wow. Is that from there? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> isn't that great? Let's look at all the pictures of Baba. This is, uh, there's also a question from Ganeshpuri. And there's Baba on his perch in Ganeshpuri, just outside of his apartment at the, in the central courtyard of the ashram. And finally, Baba is the great yogi. This was before I met him. This was from the 60s. Beautiful picture of uh, the great yogi, Baba. <coughs> so, as I'd like to begin by quoting Baba. I began every program by saying in Hindi, Sabko varasanmane kesat premse hardik swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And the space of satsang is a space of love and acceptance and welcome. It's open-hearted space. The rest of the time we can go around hating each other. But the space of satsang is the space of the heart. And of course, that's what we should always be living in. But alas, we haven't yet evolved to that point. But at least in satsang, we want to be in that place of love, acceptance, and wisdom. And so in that spirit, I welcome you. So this is from Sydney in 1974. Uh, we used to sit out uh, in this house in the backyard, beautiful backyard, and uh, people would come and ask Baba questions. <coughs> and this is one such time. Question, how can I obtain your grace? Baba says, through love and surrender, and following my teaching. By that I mean repeating continuously the mantra you've received. In other words, not just following an intellectual prescription, but it's practicing, doing an actual practice that transforms one's being. 
<clears throat> he says, if you give yourself completely, you'd receive grace immediately. Question. Now, this is a wonderful question now. What is the difference between spending Shakti and wasting Shakti? <clears throat> Can one save Shakti? Uh, isn't it infinite? So why save it? <clears throat> this is a question Baba would say is a one and a half smart guy. <laughs> one, one smart guy is good, but one and a half smart guy, no good. <clears throat> uh, Baba's answer is great, though. He says, if you had an infinite star of Shakti uh, in you, you wouldn't have asked me this question. <laughs> You're asking because you only have a limited store. You haven't found access to infinite Shakti. <clears throat> so when you, when you reach that, the goal of yoga, you have a connection with the in infinite storehouse of divine energy infinite storehouse. And the goal of yoga is to be able to make that connection so that we're always in touch with that divine energy. What stops us from being in touch with that energy? Well, it's mostly our way of thinking, mostly our negative thoughts, mostly our negative tendencies. So the process of yoga is to gradually bring the mind into harmony with that great power. <clears throat> My favorite of all sutras in Kashmir Shaivism is from the Pratyabhigna Vridayam. I am Shakti Dharidra Samsara Yuchyate. That person uh, is, a, samsa, is, a, is a bound soul who has poverty of Shakti. Great definition. What is a bound soul? Doesn't have much access to that higher energy, only a certain amount of energy. But uh, then it goes on, Svashakti Vikasetu Shiva Eva. When you, when you unfold your Shakti completely, you become Shiva himself. When each one of us fulfills our potential, unfolds our, our Shakti, we become divine beings. This is the promise of Shaivism, the promise of yoga, that there's such potential within us. I think we all sense a potential, a potential probably we haven't lived up to. But the yogis have found a way to that potential. It's through inner work, we can connect with that divinity that's already within us. So then one has access. When one is in that state of un complete unfoldment, then one has access to infinite Shakti. <clears throat> Baba says, there are two approaches to Vedanta, and here he's not talking about Vedanta as opposed to Shaivism, he's talking about spirituality. So there are two approaches to spirituality. One is practicing it in your life, and the other is just talking about it. <laughs> you have infinite Shakti, and you have it in a limited form. If you spend it on good things, it will increase. But if you use it on bad things, it will decrease. So in a way, shakti or energy, from one point of view, is the metric, it's the meter of your practice. When you expand your shakti, 
then you're moving in the right direction. And when you expand your shakti, you expand your love. You expand your peace. You expand your joy. And when you move in the other direction, you're moving away from it. <coughs> he says, you should look upon the shakti inside you with great reverence, the energy, the spiritual energy inside you with great reverence. If you waste shakti in gossiping or trying to get people's respect by telling them you've attained something which you really haven't attained, you won't get anywhere. In other words, if you follow your ego, you lose shakti. Your stock of shakti can be increased by some actions and reduced by others. If you always think good thoughts, it increases. And if you think bad thoughts, it decreases. Get your infernal mind to think in a positive direction. It'll increase your shakti. I am a child of God. I have divinity within me. I am the self. If you think negatively, I'm a worthless piece of vermin. <laughs> like that, you decrease uh, your shakti. And then Baba tells uh, <coughs> a long story. Oh, I'll read it to you. He used to tell this story a lot. He says, there was a student of Ramdas called Kalyan Swami. Ramdas was a, uh, uh, an ancient great yogi, I think 17th or 16th century. He was quite good, the student, but he was a bit proud, and he would put on airs because he thought he'd become like Ramdas. Ramdas taught that Lord Ram pervades everything and lives within everybody. He had a famous disciple who was a great king and warrior, Shivaji. Shivaji is a famous uh, king in the history of India, and Shivaji was, uh, Ramdas was Shivaji's guru. So you can Google, I think it's 17th century, but anyway. <clears throat> one day, one of the king's elephants ran amok. He was stampeding down a row of trees, tearing them up from the roots, quite mad. And Kalyan Swami, that's the disciple, was walking from the opposite direction. Kalyan was a little bit too clever, one and a half smart guy. <clears throat> if he'd just been clever, he would have been all right. Two men were running in front of the elephant, warning everyone to get out of the way. <clears throat> and they shouted him, watch out, watch out, Kalyan Swami. You don't know anything, Kalyan Swami shouted back at them. Ram lives in everything. <clears throat> and he kept on moving towards the elephant. It caught him in its trunk and hurled him into a tree. He didn't die, but he was near enough to it, Baba says. Everyone ran to, uh, to bring him down from the tree, including his guru, Ramdas. He was unconscious. Ramdas was a great siddha. He had shakti in its fullness, but his disciple only had a limited amount of it. If he'd had infinite shakti, this wouldn't have happened to him. <laughs> I was giving his teaching on shakti. <clears throat> Ramdas tried to revive him, and he regained consciousness. He began to groan with pain and was put on a stretcher and carried to the ashram. <clears throat> Babaji said to his guru, I don't know what to say. I've been wondering whether what you said was true or not. You said that Ram lives in everyone, and I saw Ram in the elephant, but he threw me into a tree. Before the elephant got you, said Ramdas, 
You were warned by two men to keep out of the way. Didn't you see Ram in their voices? Ram was in those voices too, Baba says. Therefore, you should see Ram in knowledge and in good principles. Otherwise, you may fall. So you have to still have discrimination. The problem is everywhere. You still have to distinguish what's good for you from what's bad for you, what nourishes your inner being and what rips you off. <clears throat> Baba says, we discipline ourselves and do sadhana, spiritual practice, to store up shakti within us. And as the store increases, we don't then forget about our sadhana. On the contrary, we do more and more of it. We become more considerate and more loving, and we're able to give things up more easily. So you nurture your love, but also your renunciation. You let things go. When we hang on to things, they eat into us. We can let things go. It's very hard sometimes to let things go. People are unkind to you, or people, there are losses that happen in life. It's very hard to let them go, but when we cling to them, it just hurts us. He says, we start to prefer silence to gossiping, <laughs> and we like to meditate more. We're less bound to our palates and more attached to the joy of the self. We no longer like to live in dependence on our senses. We like to live a life of renunciation. Knowledge isn't just clever talk. It's not miracles. It's not business. Arjuna asked Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, what are the marks of a jnani, of realized being? Lord Krishna's answer is contained in the 13th chapter of the Gita. He says, O oh Arjuna, a jnani is one who has become established in this truth. A jnani regards good fortune <coughs> and bad fortune, honor and insult, success and failure, pleasure and pain, equally. That's a very high bar, isn't it? He doesn't impose himself on anyone. He doesn't make anyone suffer, nor does he hurt their feelings. People acknowledge him for his calmness and steadiness. He fills every place around him with peace. Agyani loves solitude. I read this verse 25 years ago. Bob is bragging a bit. <coughs> and he says he still remembers he's reciting this verse. He remembers it. <clears throat> he doesn't depend on others. If there's anybody around, he doesn't drag them out just to, if there's nobody around, he doesn't drag them out just to have somebody to talk to. He's happy with his own company. He's <clears throat> happy in his own skin. There's nothing he likes better than his own company. He's always totally absorbed in contemplation of God. Even though such a being might be doing this and that and the other thing, there's always part of his mind that's connected to the divine. He has overcome the sense of difference. He's expelled malice and hatred and ill will from his heart. He doesn't become conceited thinking, I'm the boss here. I run things here. I've done this. I've done that. Iyani firmly takes hold of his mind and fixes it like a rock at the feet of his guru or the Lord. This is from commentary, Baba's remembering or, or chanting the, the verses of a commentary on the Gita written by Krishna Sutta, the famous poet. 
He says that the Lord tells Arjuna that a man who doesn't show any of these characteristics is not a jnani, he's an agyani, uh, an ignorant person. There's another verse I've just remembered, Baba says, where the poet says that a jnani does not abandon his home and his family and children. He lives in their midst, but is detached from them. We're, we're in this house, that's the house of the devotee in Taramara. <coughs> we're guests here and we love this house, but we aren't attached to it. That's how a yani lives in his own house. Baba says, you should study a scripture with interest and reverence, and then you won't forget what you study. <laughs> I read this verse 25 years ago, and when I tried to remember it, it all came to my mind. Sakunat Maharaj Kite. I was giving him a little bit of a lecture, wouldn't you think? <clears throat> okay, now a, a great uh, little question, answer on meditation. And then one in honor of uh, <coughs> uh, the, the uh, nine days of Navaratri. This is a question from my day. <coughs> this is from Leela, who was... Uh, uh, from uh, she was uh, one of the cooks in the kitchen later on. Baba, I have a lot of trouble controlling my mind when I sit to meditate. Please help me. That's not of interest to anybody, is it? <coughs> Baba says, many people complain to me, Baba, whenever I sit for meditation, my mind begins to wander. It wanders here, it wanders there, and it doesn't listen to me. I ask, why are you meditating on the mind? Even your mind must be sick of you because instead of concentrating your attention on God, you're concentrating your attention on it. And that's why your attention keeps wandering along with your wandering thoughts. Meditate on the one who is the knower of meditation, who is aware of meditation. Think of the one who is totally free and who knows everyone, everything, everyone from within. The greatest wonder is that the inner self knows everything in the waking state through the senses, but in the deep sleep state also, it knows everything without any senses. You should meditate on the one who is aware of the wanderings, the unsteadiness, the restlessness of your mind. Meditate on that. So he's saying meditate on the one that observes that, the witness, you could say. <coughs> Meditate on the self, the one that's always the same. The, the mind fluctuates, different thoughts come in, but there's always that one who's observed everything in your life. Do not meditate on the wanderings of the mind. It is the inner knower who is the great being, who is Shiva, who is Krishna, who is Ram, who is Ganesh, who is everything. The inner knower. The inner knower is aware of everything. And there is no way you can divest the inner knower of awareness. It illuminates everything. It is of the nature of pure knowledge. This is what all the great sages say. There is an inner knower within. And this inner knower is the self. And there's that you can listen to discourse from now till 
the cows come home. And you can read scriptures from now to forever, but the only way to know the self is by turning within and looking inside and finding that self within. And if you search for it diligently and steadily, that self will reveal itself to you. And so many rewards will come, so many inner rewards, rewards like love and joy and peace, all these things will happen. Baba says, <clears throat> now you'll be able to meditate if you focus your attention on the inner witness, on the inner knower. The inner knower is in meditation all the time. You don't have to put him into meditation. He's in meditation even when your mind is wandering. It is he who is constantly watching all the wanderings of the mind. Everyone should continue to meditate because meditation is the highest practice, the highest sadhana, and nothing can equal it. No yagna, no, no, no ritual, no other ritual can equal meditation. The Upanishads say that the earth is constantly in meditation, and it's because of that that the earth is able to stay in place. <laughs> Baba always said this, very mysterious. Similarly, the sky is constantly in meditation, and it's for this reason that the sky has been able to remain in its place from time immemorial. Water, too, is constantly in meditation, and only it's because of that it retains its characteristic flowing. It's wonderful to think of everything in the world as meditating. They're in meditation. If water were to stop meditating, it would merge into the void. All the five elements have emerged from the void, and they're able to retain their separate identities because they're continually in meditation. If they were to stop meditating, they would all merge back into the void. The mountains, the oceans, all these things exist because they're all in constant meditative state. Is that far out or what? <laughs> I repeat once again that to meditate does not mean to engage in warfare with your mind. Yellow mark that one not to fight the mind, not to be in warfare with the mind. To keep your attention focused on the one who is continually watching the mind wherever it wanders, wherever it goes, is my idea of meditation. Hold on to the self, the witness, the consciousness that contains the mind. When we run after the mind, the mind will take us in wherever it wants to go, negative thoughts, whole bad thing, memories, this fantasies, all kinds of things. It just runs a, a, away and then we lose our shakti. If you hold on to that self, we build our shakti. And now uh, a, a bit about in honor of Navratri. <clears throat> Baba, of course, is a great worshiper of the goddess in the form of the kundalini energy. The goddess exists within each person in the potential, the kundalini shakti, the energy. And he used to talk about the goddess chitti. Chitti means consciousness, that this whole world is filled with this chitti, this awareness. It's not dead and inert, but it's filled with sparkling chitti. And so he would worship 
chitti in that way. So Baba says this, and this is from Play of Consciousness. <coughs> he says, the world is permeated by chitti, belongs to chitti, is chitti, the world's consciousness. If you see with the eyes of true knowledge, you'll find nothing but chitti in the world. So there's another way to meditate, not just meditate on the witness, but you can meditate on everything that occurs as chitti, even the thoughts. The thoughts are the play of consciousness. But that means you don't get caught in them. You don't run with them, but you see they're just sporting. They're the play of consciousness. And then you stay in a detached state with it. <coughs> he says, a person may or may not understand this, but even if his inner shakti is not awakened, he should remember one thing. God dwells in the world in human form. According to the Pratyabhijna Vridayam, great text, it says, God takes on a human body and conceals himself within it. <coughs> The divinity within a human being is the consciousness. When a human being dies, that consciousness leaves, and then there's just the body lying there. But the thing that, that animates the body, that makes it uh, alive, is the awareness, the self within. He's saying, so God creates a human body and then enters it and lives in there. And we, be, we don't honor that. We think all kinds of thoughts, we have all kinds of paranoid thoughts and, and thoughts of uh, we're not getting enough and we're getting this and that. We don't realize the greatness that's within us. <coughs> he says, since it is God who dwells in the body, it follows that an aspirant of yoga can easily unfold his inner shakti. It's easy to attain the divinity within, because divinity is within. But not if you don't look for it. Not if you're just intoxicated with externals, then you won't find it. But if you, if you look for it, you'll find it. Baba says, when this is the case, how mistaken are people of the world who lack the knowledge of chitti, who do not perceive her, who do not adore her within themselves. Oh, voyagers in this world, this is talking to us, voyagers in this world. We're all voyaging through this world, through the jungle of my life, you know? <clears throat> if you want your journey to be free of obstacles, become aware of your venerable goddess, Chitti Kundalini. Awaken her with meditation. Behold her everywhere and live in happiness. The forms of gurus are her blissful luster. I define this great Shakti Kundalini, who is the embodiment of Para Brahman, as Chit Shakti. Chitti Kundalini, awakened through your guru's blessings, will bring your journey smoothly to its completion. The great yoga of meditation will guide you on the spiritual path. With Chitti's blessings, you will become great. Your life will be filled with yoga, with delight and strength, with that which is beneficial, as well as that which is pleasant. Your house will become kashi, a place of pilgrimage. You work a daily ritual. 
your friends, gods and goddesses, your meals, sacred offerings. So you transform your whole life into divinity. Into divinity. <laughs> Everything that you do will become worship of the Supreme Self. In due course of time, you will attain the final fruit. You will become merged in Chitti. O Goddess Chitti Shakti, O Mother, you are Shakti, you are Shiva, you are the soul vibrating in the heart. Your manifestations as the world and as the self are both filled with bliss and beauty. As long as they lack full knowledge of you, ignorant people project onto you various dualistic ideas, such as world, illusion, bound, liberated, indulgence, renunciation, spiritual, worldly. <clears throat> o supremely worshipful Mahashakti, O great Shakti, when you take the form of the guru to bless the disciple and enter within him, he realizes through inner knowledge that the external world is also your play, that everything is nothing but the play of consciousness. Name above is autobiography, the play of consciousness. Very hard to see everything that happens as the play of consciousness. Why is that? Because we're deeply invested in our egos, in our personhood, and we're just worrying about getting stuff for this one and avoiding bad stuff. And so because of that, we can't enjoy the play. With, if we center ourselves in the self and detach a bit, we can see this whole world is just a sport, a play of consciousness. <clears throat> he says, Kundalini Yoga, sublime worship, and the yoga of meditation are all created by you, and you permeate them all completely. This is the, the mother talking to the goddess. They are the means through which you bring the sadhana of meditation to its fulfillment and grant the state of your own nature. So this is the goal of the yoga. So let's meditate. There is a power within, within every one of us. There is a shakti, an energy within. There is a consciousness within. And that consciousness is perfect. It doesn't lack one thing. Even though the many things in our life that we think are lacking here and now, that power is complete. We may not have a partner, but the love that we have inside is perfect. And we don't think, we may think we don't understand things, but perfect knowledge is also within us. And our minds may be scattered, we may be filled with anxiety, and yet perfect peace is just a step away, it exists within us. Baba once had me meditate on contentment. It was a revelation to me. And I used to think of contentment as something that you attained after doing, accomplishing certain external things, career and so on. And uh, by meditating on contentment, I realized contentment was not something to be obtained from outside, but contentment was a place inside me that existed and that I was always moving away from. 
and that if I moved towards it inside me, I could realize that. It had nothing whatsoever to do with anything external. And so Baba's, this is Baba's teaching. This is the teaching of all the great yogis and the sages, that there's a vast inner power within us. And so when we celebrate the goddess, <clears throat> we're not celebrating a deity outside of ourselves. It's an inner power, a dynamism that's within each of us portrayed as the goddess. It's the eternal power. It's the active side of divinity that's within us. So let's meditate. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. And uh, whichever thing appeals to you, you can meditate on the witness or you can meditate on the dynamic chitti shakti kundalini that's within. <coughs> and if all of this is too complicated, you can say the mantra. Om Namah Shiva, Om Namah Shiva, and let your mind become quiet. But make no mistake about it. Within every one of us is this great potential, this great power, this divine power. And each of us can, with the right effort, discover that within us. Meditation is the supreme means. So let's meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, Welcome you all with all my heart. Satyanath Maharaj Kijay. Let's meditate. Hi, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out Swamiji's latest book, Ganeshpri Days, Memoirs of a Western Yogi. It's about the time he spent in India with his guru, Baba Muktananda, in the 1970s, and it's a great read. To get a copy, go to ganeshpridays.com. That's G-A-N-E-S-H. P-U-R-I days.com Wherever you are in the world, you can get the book on Kindle or print it in your own country.